Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to continue where we left off last week, and we were looking at uh, the church and the gates of hell. The church and the gates of hell. And uh, we looked at the greatest organization ever found or formed in history. And that is the spiritual church, the spiritual body of Christ. Let's pick up in, in Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples and he said, Who do men say that I am? Uh, say that I, the Son of Man, am. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we are, are gaining a, a much deeper and greater knowledge and, and understanding of the church. And, and as we do this, then we'll be able to answer and understand why the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen? We're very familiar with that passage, but how many of us understand why? How? How will the gates of hell not prevail against us? And, and that's really what we're, what we're trying, to, trying to find out this morning. And again, the church, the church is not the church house. Again, this, this building and all the other buildings that, that we see that, that have the title of a church, that's the church house. The church is that spiritual body of believers. Every born-again Christian is part of that spiritual body, and that's what we're really looking at. And uh, just to kind of review a little bit what we saw last week, first we considered the cornerstone of the church. Verse uh, 18, And I say to you, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This spiritual building, this spiritual church, has to have a spiritual foundation. Amen? If it's a spiritual body, then it has to have a spiritual foundation. And it is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? The spiritual church is built upon that solid rock of Jesus Christ himself. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the sure foundation of this spiritual body. So Jesus in verse 18, when he said, and you... Uh, and I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. When Jesus made that declaration, he was really confirming what Peter declared when he looked at his disciples. He said, okay, I, I hear what other people say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And Peter declared that you are the Christ, you are Messiah. You are the promised Messiah. You are the son of the living God. 
And that is what uh, Jesus was confirming in verse 18 was Peter's declaration of that truth. We see it back in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone. Jesus took on human flesh. He suffered and and he bled and he died for us. That is that tried stone. He went through the fire for us. A precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. Then we see in the book of Acts chapter 4. Starting in verse 8. Jesus declared that you are Peter. You are Petros. You are a rock for your declaration. Peter would come to understand exactly what Jesus was saying in the book of Acts uh, in chapter 4. This is Peter. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he been made well? Let it be known to all of you, And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. There is uh, no... uh, uh, not is uh, or no, there is a salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter would come to understand exactly what Jesus was talking about and what he was declaring. Peter would later write in his in his second letter, or I'm sorry, his first letter, First Peter chapter two. He said, therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So Jesus is the cornerstone of the church that he will build. Next, we consider the creation of the church. And we looked in in verse 18, as, as Jesus declared. He said, and on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus did not call me or any other pastor to build his church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the word church really comes from putting two Greek words together. It comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And ek, the first word, means out of. And kalo means to call. So the, the word church literally, literally means the called out ones. We are the ones who were called out from this world, and we were washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have to understand who is doing the calling. God himself. God himself is the one calling us. He draws us unto Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. 
And when we heed that call, when we obey that call, and we obey that drawing, and we humble ourselves, and we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a member of his spiritual church. Jesus is the one building it. He's the one drawing and calling us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And then we are added into his spiritual body, his spiritual church. Next, we consider the closeness, that that close companionship of the church. The Bible refers to to the church not as just that, that building of the sure foundation, but also as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. So we think about it as as the uh, spiritual building blocks. We are those spiritual building blocks. We rest upon one another, supporting one another, holding one another up. But most importantly, we are held together by the mortar of love. Amen? And it's the love of Jesus Christ that he shed abroad in our hearts the moment we received him as Lord and Savior. Amen? It's that love, it's the love of Christ that holds us together. And then as a spiritual body, Jesus is the head and we are the members of the body. We are his hands and his feet, his arms, his legs, his eyes and his ears. We are the spiritual body in this dark and dying world. Amen? And we must work independently but in unison following the head, following the lead, obeying Jesus Christ. Amen? Then as the spiritual bride of Christ, Jesus is the bridegroom and we his loving bride. Amen? The bride he loved so much that he gave his life for. And the Bible details all of these illustrations to show us that close companionship that we have as his church amen that spiritual body of believers now let's move on let's consider the the confession of the church look back at verse 13 when jesus came into the region of caesarea philippi he asked his disciples saying who do men say that i the son of man am jesus again he was given his disciples this test a a test of their faith you know first he asked them what's the word on the street you know what's everybody saying who do they believe i am you know all these years these couple of years during my ministry i performed miracles right before their eyes i fed the five thousand i healed the poor uh, or the the lame i fed the poor all these miracles right in front of them who do they say that i am I've gathered them in great multitudes. I've told them who I am, but do they believe me? What's the word on the street? And they tell him, some believe he's John the Baptist, some Elijah, some some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he gives them the ultimate test. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter was the only one to speak up. And he said, Lord, you are Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is the confession of faith for every believer. Amen. This is our confession of faith. Our confession of faith needs to be exactly what Peter said. That we absolutely believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. That he is the son of the living God. And as he, as he proclaimed, he and the Father are what? 
one. Amen? He is God in the flesh. Now, I want to point out a, a couple things about Peter's confession. Amen? We need to note a couple things about his, his confession. The first thing we need to see is that it started as a personal conviction. Started as a personal conviction. You know, Jesus asked that personal question. Who do you say that I am? Amen? It wasn't, uh, it, was, it, it was not a majority poll. It wasn't from a book. It didn't come from a pastor. It didn't come from a church. He said, who do you say that I am? <clears throat> Jesus didn't care what anybody else said. He wanted to know who his disciples believed he was. And Peter confessed from his heart. He said, you are Messiah. You are the Christ. Personal conviction is the first step in salvation. Jesus answered and said to him in verse 17, he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. We cannot understand, we cannot figure out spiritual truths on our own. That's what Jesus was saying here. Flesh and blood cannot reveal that to us. God must reveal those truths to us. It must come by divine revelation, revealed unto our hearts. I can stand here and preach to you from the word of God hour after hour. But only the Holy Spirit of God can reveal it to your heart. Amen? So that you understand the spiritual truths that I'm saying. Otherwise, it's just words. Amen? You can understand the history of the Bible, but you'll never understand those spiritual truths unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Amen? And that's the same with me. You know, when God first called me to preach... I had to rely on him to give me wisdom, to give me understanding, to pray every time I opened up his word, to lead me and guide me into truth. The truth that comes out of this pulpit comes right from here. And the only way I understand it is because of his Holy Spirit revealing it unto me. Amen? It's the only way. Now, we, we're all familiar with Peter's story, aren't we? And I want us to understand something very important. Peter absolutely would later deny Jesus out of fear. But he never denied Jesus out of unbelief. Amen. We need to understand the difference. He denied Jesus out of fear. He feared what the people thought of him. But he never denied Jesus out of unbelief. So, personal conviction is the first step. What's next? Next comes personal conversion. The Apostle Peter, his birth name was Simon. Amen? We all know him as Simon Peter, Simon Barjona. Jesus called him there. His birth name was Simon. And Simon, the name literally means unstable. That was Peter's name before his conversion, before he was saved. But now, after his declaration, 
after he proclaimed from his heart that Jesus was the Messiah, after he made that profession of faith, then we see that Jesus looked at him and he said, you are now Peter. You're no longer Simon. You're no longer unstable. You are now Peter. You are now Petros. You are now a rock. You are now of me. You are now solid rock. You are the same uh, nature as I am. Because my Holy Spirit is going to indwell you and you are going to have the same nature that I have. Amen. After personal conviction comes personal conversion. And then after personal conversion, we see a public confession. Openly and without shame. Peter declared, you are the Messiah. You are Christ. Friends, we don't hear enough of that today, do we? Amen. We don't hear enough public confession about Jesus Christ. You know, we're subject, subjected every day to, to all the progressive or liberal or ungodly opinions. Thousands of them every day. But we rarely hear anymore today public declarations of Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to hear a lot more of it. Plain and simple. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We need to see a lot more public confessions from God's people. Amen? From his spiritual church. We need to see a lot more and hear a lot more public confessions. Next, I want us to consider the commission of the church. The commission of the church. Skip down to verse 19 in our original text in Matthew 16. After Jesus declared, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. First and foremost, we need to understand that Jesus was not just speaking to Peter. He wasn't just speaking to his apostles. Matthew 18, 18. Jesus says it again. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The point we need to understand here is that Jesus is talking to every single born-again believer. Those keys that Jesus was talking about isn't just for the apostles. It's for every born-again believer. So what are these keys that Jesus is talking about? Well, we need to understand back in the Old Testament, the scribes, they were the ones that meticulously, word by word, jotted down the scripture. Amen? And in the Old Testament, these scribes would have an insignia of keys on their clothing. And those keys represented their knowledge of those scriptures. Amen? 
Those keys represented their knowledge of the, of the scriptures. So these keys that Jesus is talking about, they stand for uh, our knowledge and truth of the word of God. Those keys are truth and knowledge of the word of God. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes, you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. This is part of that great woe to the scribes and the Pharisees that that Jesus went to, those religious leaders that should have known better. And look what he said. He said, For you have taken away the key of of knowledge. Listen, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, I'm giving you the keys. Those keys are the truth about me, about who I am, the truth that all can be saved through my shed blood, and those souls will be loosed from the gates of hell. Amen? So we, the church, We, the spiritual body of believers, we are to go out into the world with these keys, with the truth of God's words, with the love that he has for us. And we are to be the light in the darkness, and the light is is to shine on Jesus Christ in order to lead those who are lost unto him. Amen? Our light that we have is because Jesus lives inside of us. It's his light, and that light should shine on him as we go out into the darkness. So that those that are walking in darkness can see him and humble themselves and go unto him and kneel at the foot of Calvary's cross before him. Amen. That is our job. That is our calling. This is the commission of the church. Listen, there is no greater joy for the body of the believers than to see that lost soul come to Christ. Amen. No greater joy. Now lastly, I want us to consider what is the com- what's coming for the church? What's next? What is coming for the church? And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Now, to, to, to put this in context, Jesus was, you know, he was at the end of his earthly ministry. The religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, they were all plotting against him. They were even able to, to sway public opinion against him. And Jesus knew that Calvary and taking our sins upon himself, it was at the doorstep. And it was at this darkest hour that he declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What we need to understand here is that Jesus was not saying that the the church will simply survive the attacks from Satan. You know, I've heard many, many uh, uh, people misinterpret this scripture when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's talking about attacks from Satan. That's not what it's talking about. How many times in battle have you ever seen a soldier pick up a gate as a weapon? <laughs> Never. 
Because a gate is not a weapon. Amen? So we have to understand that that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the attacks of Satan. Jesus is referring to the entire dominion of hell. Satan is that sinister minister of death and, and, and the grave, right? And also the fear that comes with both. Someone who is lost, someone who is unsaved, they are prisoner of Satan in fear, and they are kept captive behind those gates. Amen? We're talking about the dominion of hell. When we're lost, when we're unsaved, we are shackled by fear. We fear death. We fear hell. And we're held captive behind those gates. Let me show you something. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Listen to what God tells us here. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Do you see it there? Jesus took on flesh and blood to defeat Satan, to overcome death, hell, and the grave. Do you know what the number one fear is that consumes all mankind? It's the fear of death. Amen? The fear of death is the number one fear that consumes mankind and it keeps mankind slaves to Satan. Every phobia, every fear is derived from death. Think about it. Every fear, every phobia that we ever have derives from death. But Jesus bled and he died. He suffered and died to defeat Satan and to trample down those gates. Amen? He died, he took our place on Calvary's cross so he could trample down those gates. Once we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we can walk right out of those gates that he trampled down for us. Amen. The gates of hell cannot and they will not stop the born-again believer because we are on our way out and on our way where? Up. Amen. The gates of hell have no barrier. They have no bondage upon the born-again believer. We are on our way out, and we're on our way up. Amen? Jesus has called the church out of this world. He has sent the church into this world, and soon he will be coming back to take this church out of this world once again at the rapture and to take us home forevermore. Amen? That's what we have coming. That is what's coming for the church. To be taken up in glory and to be with our Lord and Savior forever and ever and ever. And the gates of hell, they have no power over us. They cannot and will not stop us. 
question is why? Why? Answers in Revelation chapter 1. Verse 18. Jesus declared, he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Who originally had those keys? Remember, we read it back in the book of Hebrews. Satan had the keys to hell and death. Now Jesus declares, and I have the keys of hell and of death. You see, when Jesus arose from the dead, when he overcame death, hell, and the grave, he snatched those keys right from Satan's rotten, grubby hands. Amen? Snatched them right out of his hands. And church, we need to understand that the gates of hell will not hold us back. We are on our way out and on our way up ever to be with our Lord and our Savior. Amen.